ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either. You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I told y'all the group two for a season world is in town. I was on the bus yesterday and we were heading, I don't know if we were heading to the last bath or we were heading to Cape Coast. I operate off my AT&T signal. It works really well for me worldwide. It's an extra $100 a month. I know a bunch of people were like, get T-Mobile, it's free. You get what you pay for. My friends here who have T-Mobile accounts can't never get service. AT&T is pretty clutch for me. So I'm very fine with paying the extra amount. But in between major cities in Ghana, like Accra and say Cape Coast, where we were headed, sometimes service can be really sketchy. I was in between the two cities and somehow I got a signal and I got an alert that Brittany Griner, I can't even say her name without tearing up still. It's been more than 24 hours, but I got the alert that Brittany Griner had been released. She was in the UAE and they'd done a prisoner swap and that she was on a plane and on her way home. Very shortly after I saw the announcement, I saw President Biden tweet that she was headed home. I can't even talk about it without crying. I saw the alert on my phone and I didn't even believe it was true. I had to Google and my signal kept going in and out. I was finally able to pull it up and I saw multiple news sites announcing that Brittany Griner was on her way home. I sat in the seat on my bus. Everybody else was asleep. We got on the bus at like seven o'clock in the morning for a four hour ride to go to the Cape Coast for what I said, the last bath, and then also to visit the slave dungeons. And I sat in my seat and I like sobbed. I was trying to do a silent sob. I don't want to be like, you know, crying and losing it. There were 25 other people on the big red bus. I didn't want to look crazy, but I, I sobbed. I didn't realize I was this invested in Brittany Griner coming home. I knew that the story upset me. I've talked about it multiple times here on the podcast. Even before she wrote that open letter in July to President Biden, and she asked, please don't forget about me, which hit me in my heart. I read the letter here on the podcast and I boohooed all the way through that too. You know, everybody has their triggers. One of my triggers is being forgotten about. If you listen to the very first podcast episode that I recorded after I moved to Ghana, I cried all the way through that one too. I cry a lot, which people know by now. It's a running joke. I like being very in tune and emotionally open. I have no problems with the amount that I cry. I like that I am emotionally available and that I can feel things. Most of my life, I've been that way. There was a period in my life in which I wasn't and I was not in a good place. The, the fact that I cry a lot is actually really good and healthy for me. But one of my triggers is being forgotten about. And when I moved to Ghana, I, I did this whole podcast episode about the fear that someone that I was deeply in love with would forget about me. And that happened. It's very painful, still very raw. But that's been one of my longtime triggers. And when Brittany wrote that in July, it just really hit me in the heart because I identified with that feeling. And then also being a black woman who at the time was prepping to move abroad and like, you know, I don't do weed. My drug of choice is rosé and tequila. My dad told me before I went to college, you got to choose alcohol or you got to choose drugs. Like you can't do both because that'll fuck you up. So make a choice. And I was like, I think I'm going to go with alcohol. He was like, good choice. That was my choice. But I felt bad for Brittany before the don't forget about me. I identified with her because of that. And then moving abroad as a black woman, 
I don't necessarily have a fear of being arrested or detained in Ghana or anywhere in Africa. I'm actually very much a by the book, stick to the rules person. It takes a lot for me to break rules and laws. I'm not squeaky clean, but when it comes to, you know, shit that will get you arrested, I'm kind of close. But because I think I was moving abroad and because Brittany Griner and I had the same fear, which is a lot of people's fear, and I think the inability to get home, I moved to Ghana and I had a round trip ticket when I got here. I've changed it a couple of times to push the dates back, but I was really clear when I moved all the way to Africa across the Atlantic Ocean, right, that I always had a way to get home. All my money got wiped out of my account if I came out to Africa and decided to like ball till you fall. If I drained my debit account, if if I reached the max on my credit card, I made sure I had a way to get home because getting home is important. Just the idea of not being able to get home when you want to go is, it's a lot. It's a lot. So on on multiple levels, like I I felt a a smidgen, a 0.001% of what Brittany Griner might have been experiencing. And that's not even being detained. But it really just hit me in, in the heart. As a black woman traveling abroad and you can't get home, detained in a fucking Russian jail, sentenced to a Russian labor camp? The fuck? It, it was too much. So when I heard the news that she was coming home, I can't even talk about it. Oh my God. I cried like Brittany was family. Not quite sister, but like big cousin. And she's like 11 years younger than me. I can't imagine what her wife feels. I don't know if the wife's name is Sherelle or Cheryl. It could go either way with black folks. I can't imagine what's going through her head right now. For the last 10 months, your wife has been detained in Russia. She was sentenced to nine years in jail and labor camp in Russia. I'm happy she's coming home, period. Period. The internet, y'all niggas, y'all niggas been on some shit. I don't mean white folks. Because usually when I say niggas, I apply it to anybody on this podcast. I mean black folks. Black folks on Al Green's internet acting like whole niggas mad that a black woman is coming home. People keep talking about they traded a WNBA player who shouldn't have been smoking weed and had no business over there in the first place. She made 200000 Why was she trying to make more money? She was just being greedy. Why was her tall, black, lesbian, masculine presenting self over there anyway? Because she felt like it. She ain't had no business having a vape pen on her, which I'm not really sure is, is a legitimate story. That's Russia's version of events. I, yes, I know she pleaded guilty in Russian court. That's all under duress. At some point, Brittany will tell us exactly what happened. I look forward to that day. I don't want to hear shit from her for 60 to 90 days, though. Let Cheryl or Sherelle, the wife, the prop, the wife who held her down, whose black ass made sure her black ass wife came home. Love me like Sherelle. Cheryl loves Brittany. Brittany over there worried about being forgotten about. Cheryl, Sherelle made sure nobody forgot about her wife. She made sure her wife's name stay on everybody's thoughts and everybody's mind for the last 10 months. Who you marry matters. We're going to talk about a lot of things today. I don't know if we're going to just talk about Britney, but we're going to talk a lot about Britney. It's a lot of things intersecting right now. Who you marry matters. I'm going to say it again in case you didn't hear me the first time. Who you marry matters. That's three times. I hope you heard me this time. Chadwick Boseman, his widow, shows up and represents him properly on all these different platforms. I told you I was watching that Netflix documentary about Black Panther before Black Panther came out. Chadwick Boseman's widow. I don't know the woman's name. 
It was an ABC documentary. She did an interview with Whoopi Goldberg and she said, I was honored. I was honored that he loved me. She talked about the greatness that her deceased husband was. She talked about how amazing he was as a man and as a husband. She and Ryan Coogler, if you're not my friend like Ryan Coogler is Chadwick Boseman's friend, don't be my friend. Love me like Ryan Coogler loves Chadwick Boseman. Love me like Chadwick's widow loves her deceased husband. They making sure that man's legacy lives on. He will be remembered forever because of them two people. Who you marry matters. Who you associate with matters. People sit on social media and talk about the most superficial shit. Can they cook? Can they clean? Can they serve? Can they submit? Can they speak on your behalf if something happens to your black ass? That matters. That matters. Brittany Griner's ass wouldn't be coming home if she didn't have a wife like Cheryl Sherrill. If Cheryl Sherrill was not in everybody's face, raising hell, reminding people that her wife exists, that her wife is on trial in Russia, that her wife is detained unjustly in Russia, that her wife has been sentenced unfairly in Russia, Brittany Griner's ass wouldn't be home. Be mindful of who you marry. When you're making lists of traits that you need in a spouse, somebody who can speak on my behalf if something happens to my black ass. Put that on the top of the list. Because something will eventually happen to your black ass if you live long enough, God willing, if it is Allah's will. Something will happen to your black ass if you live long enough. You need a partner who can advocate for you. God forbid you end up in a coma, a car accident, you eat too much shellfish and your throat close up. You need somebody who can advocate for your black ass. I'm just saying. I hate you motherfuckers talking about Britney shouldn't have been brought home. I hate you. Talk about we shouldn't have traded Britney for an arms dealer. Why not? Stop getting caught up in what people do for a living. Brittany Griner is a human. Brittany Griner is an American citizen. I know a lot of people don't think so. I don't think I fully understood how much people don't think black people, black women especially, are actual citizens of America despite your ancestors building literally, literally the country. The economic wealth that America enjoys is all built on the back of black people who were stolen from Africa. Brittany Griner is an American citizen, twice on the world stage at the Olympics. If she's good enough to represent your ass on the international stage, she's good enough to bring her black ass home when something happens to her unjustly abroad. You people have lost your fucking minds. Black people, and it's a lot of folks. My core audience is black women. Literally 88% of the listeners of this podcast and everything that follows on my platform are black women. Black women were clapping back about, oh my God, I can't believe they released her. Why wouldn't they? Better yet, why wouldn't you want them to? Because God forbid your black ass go somewhere and do some dumb shit. You would want somebody to bring your ass home. And you ain't no Olympian. You ain't no WNBA player. You don't have no high profile job. You got something cute that earns you a good wage. But you would want somebody to give a fuck about your black ass and bring you home because you're an American citizen and you matter to people. You matter to people. But you want to argue Brittany Griner doesn't? She's a human. She's an American citizen. She's a black woman, period. She also happens to play in the NBA. She also happens to be an Olympian. But first and foremost, human, American citizen being unjustly punished in Russia. Bring her ass home. I hate y'all niggas talking about what about Paul. You know what? I don't even have to requote this shit. Because Ply said everything I was going to say. I ain't never in my life. And never in my life thought I was going to be quoting Plows. Never in my life. He said the exact same thing that I had to say. So I have no reason to go and requote him. But Plies asked you. He said, bitch, do you know Paul? All y'all people talking about what about Paul? I feel bad for Paul. 
Bitch, do you know Paul? No. But you have to talk to my cousin about the whole little Britney Griner thing. And, and, and you know the first thing he motherfucker said to me? Damn, bro, that fucked up. They love Paul. I, I said, what? Yeah, that, that fucked up. They love Paul, bro. They ain't have to leave Paul behind like that. I said, bitch, do you know Paul? <laughs> bitch, do you know Paul? Bitch, you talking like you know Paul. Yeah, bro, they fucked up. They ain't had to leave Paul behind. And I, don't, and I don't want nobody to be goddamn left behind. But just like I told him, why the fuck you can't be you, you can't be happy for Brittany and I? And we can be motherfucking happy when Paul get out. We can be motherfucking happy twice. You scared to be motherfucking happy twice? Now all of a sudden, it's about motherfucking Paul. I fucked up, bro. They left Paul behind. Like you motherfucking know Paul. 99% of people didn't know who the fuck Paul was until Brittany got detained. Britney got detained. Folks was like, bring Britney home. The American government was like, yeah, we trying. We trying to get Paul and Britney. We trying to get them home. We, we offered a trade deal to Russia. We said, we, you give us Britney and Paul and we'll give you the arms dealer. If you really want to know about Paul's life, Paul was a Marine who was dishonorably discharged. He got arrested in Russia in 2018 and was accused of espionage. The Russians found him guilty of spying. The United States said, give us Paul, because Paul ain't do the shit you accusing him of. Russia was like, yeah, he did. We not letting him go. They've been trying to get Paul home for four years. Just to be clear, I'm not saying don't bring Paul home. I'm not saying don't release Paul. It's not like it came down to Brittany or Paul, where you can have one or the other, but we're not giving you both. You got to choose. Go back and read all the news reports. United States said, give us Brittany and Paul. Russia said, you can only have Brittany. The United States said, bet, bring Britney, meet us in the UAE. It's not like they had to choose. Russia said, no, what the fuck you wanted to happen? You, we can't have Paul, so you just going to leave Britney's ass over there? For what? For what? For why? The arms dealer who's been sitting in jail for quite some time, he didn't have a life sentence. He was getting out in six years anyway. I would have loved to see him serve his full sentence. I would have. But to bring a black woman home, I said this on a previous episode about Britney, probably the July 4th one, when she was talking about, don't forget about me, bring her home. We'll deal with all the other shit on the back end. It's not like arms weren't being sold and traded while this dude was locked up. Like nobody else could do the same job. I assure you, weapons have been moving. It's not like he was the only one on the job. Was he the best at his job at the time he was doing it? Maybe so. I assure you, other people have risen up to the occasion. I would also guess Russia being Russia, he probably not going to live that long. He's a Russian arms dealer that was prosecuted in America and was being held in what they keep calling Little Guantanamo. You don't think he was tortured, waterboarded, and all that other shit that America likes to do but claim we don't do? Come on, you don't think he gave up anything? You think Russia just going to take him back and he just going to live as a private citizen the rest of his days? Russia kills journalists. You think they're going to let an arms dealer who was imprisoned in America and held at Little Guantanamo, he going to go back to fucking Russia and they just going to be like, welcome home, hugs and kisses, live your best life. Do y'all people hear the shit coming out of your mouth sometimes? And black women are the ones who saying this shit. I'm not even talking about black men today. I'm not even talking about non-melanated folks or Wakandan folks with penises. Black women been saying crazy shit about Britney. Ma'am, if you hate yourself, just say that. If you don't think your black ass has any worth, assign that shit to you. Don't assign it to every other black woman. 
you don't think you're worth going to war for you don't think you're worth an exchange for an arms dealer for that's you and your self-esteem issues don't put that shit on other people Folks mad as hell on this internet about Britney coming home, but Paul didn't. You know what Paul's twin fucking brother, his twin brother, had to say? David Whelan. He got on ABC. He said, quote, I am so glad that Britney Griner is on her way home. As the family member of a Russian hostage, I can literally only imagine the joy she will have being reunited with her loved ones and in time for the holidays. There is no greater success than for a wrongful detainee to be free and for them to go home. The Biden administration made the right decision to bring Miss Griner home and to make the deal that was possible rather than waiting for one that wasn't going to happen. That's Paul's twin fucking brother that has been waiting four years for his brother to come home. Russia won't release him. We can't force them. We took the person that was available and thank God. As Tabitha likes to say, oh God, I thank you. Thank God Brittany Griner is home. You miserable, wretched people. Mad that a black woman got released from prison. I expect that shit from them racists who claim they aren't. I expect that shit from the KKK type folks that are racist and proud. I expected it from black men. To be quite honest with you, I expected it from half of black women too. And yet and still, I'm disappointed as fuck. I can't believe y'all are acting like this on Al Green's internet. Mark Lamont Hill has something to say about it as well. Because he asked, he's like, what's the real problem? What's the real problem? Why are y'all really mad about Britney coming home? Because the shit y'all saying don't make no goddamn sense. What's the real issue? I could read it to you. It's pointless. I'm just going to pull it up. Hold on. I've been saving shit all day because I'm just, I'm, I'm hot. You can tell I'm hot. I'm pissed. I want to have a word with all of you who were upset that Brittany Griner was released. I want you to ask yourself, why? Why weren't you upset that she had to be in Russia in the first place because WNBA players are paid so little that they have to do two jobs, two seasons, and two continents just to make a living? I want you to ask yourself why you're saying, well, she committed the crime, she should do the time. She had a small amount of a substance and she was charged like an international drug smuggler. How are you okay with that? Ask yourself why. Ask yourself why suddenly y'all are so pro-incarceration when you wear t-shirts and sweatshirts saying, free my cousin and free my brother who you know committed a crime. When you walk around saying, free this rapper and free that rapper who admitted they did a crime. And you are okay with them coming home. And I am too because I don't support prisons. But somehow when it comes to this black girl, you're all so carceral. Ask yourself why you're so outraged that this man is convicted about is coming home when in fact he was going to come home anyway. He had a 25-year sentence. He'd served a lot of it. He was going to be home anyway. And yet suddenly some of you who have never witnessed a foreign policy trade before, who have never seen a prison exchange in your life, are now acting like this is just the worst thing you could imagine for human history. Ask yourself why. And maybe, just maybe, the answer is not because you're outraged at a foreign policy blunder, not because you're outraged at what happened between Russia. Maybe it's the fact that this is a black girl, a black woman, a lesbian, an athlete, a star. Maybe something about her being free doesn't sit well with you. At least something to ponder. I am elated that Brittany Griner is home. Elated, if you can't tell. I have kept her name in my mouth on this podcast and in my prayers. I'm scared for her for what comes next because there's no way that you go through what she's been through without being traumatized. People have been real, real fucked up for a lot less. I saw the released video of the prisoner exchange 
I don't know if she willingly cut her hair or not. She kept her locks through most of the ordeal. I know she was sent to the labor camp maybe like a month and change ago. Her locks are gone. I hope that was a decision she made for herself and not something that was forced upon her. I remember one of my punishments as a kid was my parents used to make me change my hair. Forcing someone to change the way that they look, change the way that they see themselves or they envision themselves, it's traumatic. That was just a punishment as a teenager, not something that happened in, in a fucking Russian work camp. Sitting around thinking the world has forgotten about you, that you'll never make it home. God knows what happened to her in that prison, how she was spoken to. The trauma of, of literally being caged like an animal, treated like a criminal, treated as less than, spoken to as less than. People speaking all around you in a foreign language that you don't understand while you're sitting in jail. I, I, I can't imagine. I'm going home in January and I have anxiety about re-entering another culture. I remember how off it was when I came back from living in London. And that was something that I did of my own volition. I went to study abroad when I was in college and I was in London and Europe for five months. But I remember coming home and traumatic is not the right word, but just unfamiliar. The world had kept moving and there were five months of culture that I had just missed. And I was there studying. I was having the time of my life. But it took me a couple months just to catch up. I wasn't in jail. I wasn't being traumatized while I was living in London. But coming back to my life was, was a lot. It took a lot to readjust. I can't imagine what that's like after 10 months and in a prison. I can't imagine what Britney has been through. I can't imagine what Britney is about to go through. I said at the beginning of this episode, I don't want to see her. I don't want to see her for 60 to 90 days. Give me a statement from the wife. Give me a written statement from the, from the publicist, the lawyer. I don't, want to, I don't want to hear from Britney. I don't want to see no sit-down interviews with Oprah on Netflix. I don't, want to see her. I don't want to see her talking. I want her to get the help that she needs. I want her to be in intensive therapy. I want her to rest. I want her to grow her hair out if that's something that she wants to do. I want the best natural loctician in the country to go install some new locks on Brittany Griner's hair so she can look like she wants to look. Or do whatever she wants to do with her hair. Because a black woman's hair is very, very important to her. I want her to get herself right. And if and when she wants to come out and speak to us, she can. And if she never wants to speak to us again, I am blessed and I am happy that she is home where she belongs. I prayed for that girl. I'm relieved. I am relieved that she is home. Also, I didn't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. And I don't like that I have to say it because I don't like that I have this feeling associated with this moment. Only on very rare occasions do I walk out into the world, and especially after living on the continent for the last five months, do I walk out into the world and feel that I don't matter or I feel that I'm less than. I know that other people may perceive me that way, but I don't think of myself that way. There is something very affirming about the United States going to get Brittany Griner's black ass and bring her home. It was the right thing to do because she shouldn't have been held over there. It was the right thing to do for all the things that black women have done for this country, all the sacrifices that we have made from the beginning of us being here up until shit. When did Warnock get elected? Finally. That's black women like Stacey Abrams and the like that were able to get Warnock elected. That was black women showing up at the polls twice. Having to take time off work and go stand and vote for hours. 
That's just the most recent example of how we saved the country. Biden getting elected. Black women. We tried with Trump. God damn it, we tried. We constantly are on the front lines of saving this fucking country. It was time that someone fucking came and saved us too. We were owed that. Brittany Griner shouldn't be the only recipient of that goodwill. I don't want to be on here the way people were on Deion Sanders. Like, oh, he gave half his salary, but he should have done more. Fuck y'all too. I don't want to be unappreciative and ungrateful in this moment. Hear me. Thank you. And not thank you, but thank you and thank you and black women were owed this. As a black woman, Brittany was owed this. She wrote that open letter to President Biden on the 4th of July as everyone celebrates their independence. Freedom means something different to me this year. She pointed out, I voted for you. Please don't forget about me. Take care of your constituency. Take care of your constituency. Let Brittany Griner be the example of one of many black women you take care of. Don't let her be the last. The next presidential election is two years from now. Continue to look out for black women because we deserve it. Thanks. In all sincerity, thank you. Continue. The work has just begun. (sighs) There's other shit to talk about. I think we covered Warnock. I mentioned that he won in the runoff. He won by like a percentage point. Some shameful shit. I will never understand how Herschel Walker got as far as he did. Like for a Senate election. I wouldn't vote for him for PTA president. I will never understand how he legitimately got this far where he had actual actual potential to be in the Senate and not even like just the House. The House will take a lot of everybody. There's some nut jobs in the House, but it's like over 400 of them. But the Senate, that's some scary shit. It's like this is the best candidate you can find as a black Republican. The man's barely fucking literate. On top of all the other shit, like the hidden children, the hidden abortions, he can barely form a full fucking sentence. And you almost elected him to the fucking Senate? Yeah. To all the black people of Georgia, not just Atlanta, not just Atlanta, because people always be like, thank you, Atlanta. There are black folks in Macon as well. I thought I had a screenshot of the other places in Georgia that have voted for Warnock. It was not just Atlanta that pushed it over the hump. I would like to thank the black folks of Georgia and the white folks, the white liberals who were just like, no, no, like draw the fucking line. No. What else is on our list of things to talk about? Let's see. Warnock was our good black news. If I didn't specifically state that. Oh, also in good black news, Jonathan Majors. People keep sending me a picture of him. It looks like he's butt-ass naked. Unfortunately, he is not. I was very disappointed when I zoomed in on the picture to see that he actually had his underwears on. He's in a new film called Magazine Dreams. And the first look has just been released. It's It's a story about, quote, an amateur bodybuilder who struggles to find a human connection in the exploration of celebrity and violence. I don't really understand what the fuck that means, but I do understand that Jonathan Majors is in his draws. It's kind of a silhouette, but it's just enough to see some details. The light is hitting in all the right spots, particularly on his abs. It's some it's not tidy whitey underwear, but it's teeny tiny underwear. His backside is finely formed. His back is Lord have mercy. Amen. 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 He is a very finely formed man. He was also a poet. I saw some interview he did the other day and 
someone was talking about like writing letters and the interviewer asked him something about like, you know, would he ever write a letter? And he was like, yeah, I'm a poet. I write all the time. I usually have my, my journal with me. I'm constantly writing. And I was like, oh, sexy ass. You know, never show up empty handed, looks the way he does, got that nose to do what it can do. And it's poetic. <sighs> he fine as fuck. What else did we not talk about? Oh, Harry and Meghan, their new documentary on Netflix. Netflix is touting it as a global event. We got back super late from Cape Coast yesterday and we were exhausted. Like after doing the last bath and then going into the slave dungeons, I didn't go into the dungeons this time because I, I can't. The last time we went, it's, it's a new God from the one that, that I usually have experienced. When we were standing in the dungeons, the part of the floor that had not been restored is about four inches higher than the part that has. I think I talked about this on social media, but it's four inches of feces, urine, vomit, sweat, human skin, because we shed all the time. But it's four inches of bodily fluids, essentially, that have compacted over time, just remaining on the floor. We were standing in the dungeon and the guy described it as standing on the DNA of our ancestors. And I was like, I'm done. I don't get emotional going back and forth between the door of, of no return and return now. But actually going downstairs into the dungeons, I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Listening to the stories over and over and over about how your ancestors were tortured, treated like worse than cattle. But listening to the stories over and over and over again, like it just it it does nothing for my psyche or my self-esteem. I know what the story is. At some point, listening to that um, and subject willingly subjecting myself to listen to that feels like I'm signing up for trauma porn. And it's not that it's they're giving information. They're telling the truth about what happened. But I just listening to that over and over and over. I was like, I can't. I just I can't. So I went to the last bath because I feel like that's a very spiritual experience. When it came to Cape Coast Dungeon, I was like, I can't. I can't participate. So I went and I went inside and I stayed upstairs while the um, the travelers got the tour. Um, and they were very, very, very emotional about it. I mean, understandably so. But we got back from Cape Coast really late. It just been a very emotional day. Um, so I took a shower and I climbed in bed and I turned on the Harry and Meghan documentary. And I think I made it like 20 minutes in before I fell asleep. It was very engaging. The part that I saw, I was just tired. And I was really, really excited about this documentary because I think on a previous episode, I was like, whenever it's released, like I'm all in. But then I was on a bus with bad Wi-Fi and then just an emotionally fraught day talking about, you know, slavery and, and ancestors being tortured. And I was like, I, I, I can't. But it was cute when I saw the only part that I got up to was about Harry and Meghan and how they met and how they had this instant chemistry. And there was behind the scene photos that showed like their first date. They actually met kind of on Instagram because apparently Prince Harry has his own Instagram account that very few people knew about. And he was following this woman who was friends with Meghan and she posted a picture of Megan with like, you know, those with, the, with an Instagram filter where she had dog ears or something. And Harry hit up his friend and was like, yo, who's that? And she was like, oh, that's my friend, Megan. And he was like, I want to meet her. Really? Is that how Prince Harry is meeting people scrolling on Instagram? Remember at one point people said Michelle Obama introduced them? 
But there was all this speculation about who introduced Harry and Meghan. And it's this white woman that I would guess that probably most people have never heard of. She's clearly in the know. She's in celebrity circles. But I don't think she herself is an actual celebrity. I'd never heard her name before. But that was the connect. And I was like, again, why are my friends not introducing me to to princes? I'll take a chic as well. Just FYI. Heir to an oil dynasty, a diamond dynasty, a gold dynasty. I'm open to all these things. It doesn't have to be a prince. You've got options, friend. You got options. Didn't watch Emancipation. It came out yesterday. I have every intent of watching it. If I was not recording this podcast right now, I would be watching Emancipation. I read some reviews about it. One of them basically called it basic. That wasn't the word that it used, but by all the description that they gave, that was essentially what it boiled down to. And I was like, really? I was like, is it really basic or y'all really just don't like Will Smith? Um, But I want to watch it for myself and have an opinion. Hopefully, by the next time we speak for Tuesday's episode, I'll have a chance to watch it. Definitely by next Friday. But I haven't had a chance to watch it yet to give it a good weigh in. I'm just in the middle of this group tour. I haven't even been posting on Instagram like that because I haven't been taking photos and all that other stuff. Like I'm really trying to be present for the group. I give like 100% during the day. And when I get back to my room, I'm just like exhausted. Last but not least, I want to talk about Trevor Noah. Yesterday, I believe, was his last day on The Daily Show, which I was like, that happened quick. I remember he said that he was done. And then he said, he was like, well, I'm not quitting today. Like, there's more time. But then yesterday was the end of more time. Like, Trevor Noah is gone from The Daily Show. I saw this clip circulating. A bunch of people sent it to me. Thank you for making sure that I stayed in the know. But he was honoring black women and the camera was all zoomed up in his face and, and maybe four times during maybe it was like a two and a half minute speech about black women, his eyes welled up and he was really just praising black women. And it wasn't like a pandering kind of way. It was, he was very genuine with it. His eyes again, kept tearing up. And I was like, okay, I know he's talking about black women. Is every black woman in his life? Okay. And then later when I was scrolling on Facebook, I saw that that was part of his goodbye speech for the daily show. I know he has 50 million other projects. I know he's not hurting for money. I know his plan is to go travel around the world and, like he said, watch soccer in one place and and eat at his favorite restaurant in another. Like He's very much a global citizen, and he wants to go back to living that life. I want all the best things for Trevor Noah. I will miss him and his takes on news and pop culture. He was an asset, is an asset, just because he's moving to another uh, medium doesn't mean he's going away. Trevor Noah is an asset to black culture. And I specifically say black because I wanted to include blackness worldwide. He is an asset to the culture. I wish him the absolute best in everything that he does. And I thank him for using his platform, one, to provide common sense and a bit of humor I appreciate him for always calling a thing a thing, even when it's not popular to do. And I greatly appreciate him using his platform, especially one of the most watched episodes, to honor and affirm black women. I want to play it for you. And uh, this is random for some, but special shout out to to black women. I've often been credited with, you know, having these grand ideas of people like, oh, Trevor, you're so smart and you're so, and then I'm like, who do you think teaches me? You know? 
who do you think has shaped me, nourished me, informed me? You know, from my mom, my grand, you know, my aunt, all these black women in my life. But then in America as well, if you, I always tell people, if you truly want to learn about America, talk to black women. Yeah, because unlike everybody else, black women cannot afford to f*** around and find out. Black people understand how hard it is when things go bad, especially in America, but any place where black people exist, whether it's Brazil, whether it's South Africa, wherever it is, when things go bad, black people know that it gets worse for them. But black women in particular, they know what shit is, genuinely. People always be shocked. They'll be like, why do black women turn out the way they do in America? Why do they vote the way? They? Yeah, because they know what happens if things do not go the way it should. They cannot afford to f*** around and find out. And to black women who have taught me, all of them, I mean, the scholars online, the, you know, the authors, everybody, the Roxanne Gaines, the Tressie McMillan Cottoms, the, you know, I'll remember the names, you know, the Zoe Tamuzis, the like, brilliant, brilliant women. have taken the time to inform me, to educate me, to argue with me. You know, the Toronto Burks who, you know, laughed with me, talking about everything from sexual assault to just what life is like. Yeah, man, I'll tell you now, do yourself a favor. You truly want to know what to do or how to do it, or maybe the best way or the most, the most equitable way? Talk to black women. They are, they're a lot of the reason that I'm here, and so I'm grateful to them. I'm grateful to every single one of you. This has been an honor. Thank you. I love him. All right, y'all. That's the last episode for this week. We'll be back next week. Heads up. I am taking two weeks off for the holidays. I'll be off from... Don't give me the line about the dates. The last two weeks of the year. I'll be back in January. But in the meantime, thank you as always for listening. I hope you have a great weekend. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.